0: During the the course of this year, we'll be having uh, elders from the congregation coming and uh, um, speaking to us, uh, and it's a great privilege we have to hear from uh, Cedric um, Lowe today. He uh, has uh, currently is a, an elder, a member of session in the, the church. has been very uh, active in a number of different ways. Tell you a little bit about that, but. Uh, spend a a lot of time doing this kind of thing, speaking to a group of high school students. So y'all will be a piece of cake um, for him. But before he comes, we just wanted to pray with him and pray for him. So, gracious God, we give you thanks again for your written word. Thank you for this time to gather and hear from you. We thank you as well for Cedric and uh, for uh, the gifts that you have given to him. And ask that through his words, your spirit would uh, speak to each of us uh, according to the ways that you need to direct your word. Lead us in the ways of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give him heaven.
1: Hopefully, heaven is kind of in our midst already. <laughs> That's a big responsibility. I guess if you're still in high school, don't take that personally. Um, the whole, it's easier to talk to this group than is to talk to high school kids. I, sometimes I think high school kids are more excitable, which makes it easier to talk in some way. But they're definitely a little bit more antsy. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, I d- got to talk to high school kids when I was a young life leader for years ago. And um, it was a long time. Uh, But my greatest joy, I guess, from doing that, besides just kind of hanging out with um, kids that have a lot more energy than I had, (laughs) it kind of booed me up some, was to be able to share Christ in a way, hopefully, that they could, you know, understand and relate to their lives. And so hopefully I can do that today for you also. Um, So let me pray, and hopefully God will speak through me. Lord, thanks for this opportunity um, to share your word. And I pray that you would uh, speak through me to the hearts of everyone here in the room. Um, I thank you that your word uh, is God-breathed. I thank you that um, you've given it to us. And I thank you that Jesus died on the cross to allow us to even have a window into your world. Um, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Give it to me, Josh. Recognize this guy? On three. One, two, three. All right, all right. Did anyone not know who Waldo was? Don't be embarrassed. <laughs> okay, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to not know who Waldo is. This would be Waldo. Go to the next picture. That would be Waldo also, but there's, it's Waldo with a bunch of other people also. Do you see Waldo in this picture? Tell me if you've seen this book. Where is he? Oh, give me the, you know where it is. Okay, the cursor knows where it is. He's up in the left-hand corner. All right, you see him yet? See him, see him, see him. He's kind of hard to see in the crowd though, isn't he? A little bit hard to see in the crowd. People are still nodding their heads. Don't worry, it's not a test. (laughs) Salvation is not dependent on finding Waldo in this picture. Um, However, uh, we're going to be talking about John 10, all right, and it talks a lot about the good shepherd and how the sheep recognize the shepherd. Um, good Shepherd being Jesus, and uh, the reason I put Waldo up, uh, where's Waldo up there? Is a lot of times, imagine that Waldo is a uh, a carpenter of sorts, <laughs> who was born of a virgin mother, and sometimes Jesus is kind of hard to see in the midst of all of our busyness and things going on in our lives and distractions, uh, good and bad distractions. Um, and a lot of times there's some good distractions. Oh, go ahead. A lot of times there's good distractions, um, that even go along that kind of look like Jesus or kind of look like Waldo. Um, but where's the real Waldo? You know what I mean? Where is the real Waldo in this sea of a thousand Waldos? And I'm kind of curious where that was. It didn't really have a reference on the, on the internet where that came from. I'm really curious where are these losers or uh, people came from <laughs> to be that in the Waldo is not good <laughs> i don 't think um, but a lot of times there are there are good things that are the battle that battle against the best things, um, and in the case of things that are good to do but perhaps might not be of Jesus, or things that are good to do or good to be, but if it 's not. Directly, you know, at the beck and call of Jesus, if, it's, if that's taking priority, the good thing is taking priority over the best—that is Jesus. It, you know, we're still missing the mark. Um, so I'm going to read from John 10. Here, go ahead. Let's find it here. And if you're interested in not reading off the screen, it is in your pew Bible on page 872. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run after him because they do know the voice or they will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him, because they do not know the voice of the strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they still did not understand what he was talking about. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever, opens, whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. And again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon, and is out of his mind. Why listen to him? And others were saying, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? These are the word of God. Thanks be to God. All right. First two verses, all right? He kind of makes a distinction between two different populations, if you will. And part to, to understand it, let me give you a little bit of context of sheep and shepherds and flocks and all that kind of stuff because I don't have any of those in Wyoming where I live. <laughs> um, but I did read up on it. Uh, back in biblical times, in I'll call it what, what you might call kind of metropolitan area because everything was kind of an agrarian society, farmers and flocks, but there were, you know, cities, if you will. And in the cities, there was a walled-in area, all right, where all the shepherds, you know, a bunch of different flocks would bring their sheep in and they would stay there at night, all right, since they didn't want to have them out by the wolves and the things that would attack them, um, So all the different flocks would be in the same pen, and there would be one kind of watchman watching the doorway. And the shepherds would be able to go and get some sleep so they could go out in the field the next day with the the sheep. Um, And then in the morning, the shepherds would come, each of the different shepherds would come to get their flocks, take them out to pasture and get fed. Um, But you can imagine there's all these flocks in the same area, okay, and the watchman's letting in the different shepherds one at a time, and then each different shepherd would come in and call their sheep by name, would call out, and and what Jesus is illustrating here is, okay, even among this big flock of sheep, you know, a bunch of different flocks owned by different people, one shepherd comes in, and his voice, the sheep, his sheep recognize, and the other sheep flee from You know, catch that. The sheep know the voice of their shepherd and they flee from the voice of a stranger shepherd, if you will. Um, So that's the first point. And the second one is, you know, Jesus talks about, okay, who comes in through the gate? The shepherd comes in through the gate. Watchman lets him in. Anyone who's not coming in through the gate is a thief or a robber. Uh, following the shepherd that comes in through the gate leads to salvation and life. That's verse 10. Following someone who comes in not through the gate leads to death and destruction. And uh, at, at this point, I mean, he was talking to a mixed group of people. He was making a point to some Pharisees, but then, you know, there are other folks listening in, if you will, flocks listening in. And, uh, I, I thought I was curious, the, the point that he makes about life and death. Because, you know, following the shepherd leads to life and salvation. And following someone else leads to not quite as much life. No, no. Following someone else leads to death and destruction. It says the thief comes to take you to the slaughterhouse. <laughs> the shepherd comes to take you to get fed and to get life. Um, I, I always kind of looked on this as kind of, oh, this, this is kinda, it's a nice story. Follow Jesus. He's the good shepherd. He loves us. And oh, yeah, don't get distracted by these other things because that kind of, you don't have quite as much life as you would have had if you would have followed after Jesus. But he's a little bit more stark than that. He's like, life, death. Um, so I read that and I say, oh, wow. So the consequence of Not finding the right Waldo (laughs) or the consequence of following after a Waldo that's kind of like the right Waldo but not really the right one, that's death. That's not less life. Um, So I thought that was interesting. Um, So there are definitely consequences associated with following the wrong shepherd or following after someone that looks like the shepherd but really isn't. Uh, Some are immediate and some are more... Or were stretched out over time, I would, I would, uh, posit to you uh, that a lot of what we see as immediate consequences of not following a shepherd are pretty easy to avoid, pretty easy to avoid. If you, you're not going to run at a bullet. <laughs> you're going to try to run away from a bullet. If something is obviously evil, I think in general we can recognize that. The more, uh, hideous, insidious things, I think, are the ones that kind of disguise themselves as, oh, that's good, or that's not so bad, but really aren't in line with what Christ would have us doing, really aren't in line with following directly after the Good Shepherd. Um, I think in my life of personal things where, you know, I, it's good to work hard at your job. I've got a job, I've got to make money, and um, as we say in our house, I go to work so that we can not be naked and hungry in, in the rain. <laughs> it's good to do that. But at a point where that takes priority over my focus on Christ, that's a problem. That's a problem. At a point where that takes focus, um, a, a greater priority over what Christ would have me doing with my family, that's a problem. And Yeah, it might not evince itself immediately, but broken relationships um, with other people and broken relationships with our Father in heaven based on little priority choices, seemingly little priority choices, build up over time. And um, as Jesus tries to say here, lead to death. Like I said, I I tend to underestimate the impact of making wrong choices, but it leads to death. Um, move on, uh, the second distinction, It's kind of verses three through five, and um, he as he describes further on, are, is that you know we got these multiple flocks, all right, in the same area, all right, and the sheep that are seeking after the good shepherd, they recognize his voice, he knows their names, and when they uh, hear someone else 's voice, they run away from it. I wonder. Well, I know in my life that uh, a lot of times I don't always listen to intently and recognize immediately when my good shepherd is calling me. Um, That, in in essence, is the job of the sheep. And I definitely don't flee in fear (laughs) from the chattering of another shepherd that might be calling me elsewhere. I almost feel like I, I just kind of hang in the midst of all that and say, okay, well, you know, consequences aren't going to be too bad. I'm just going to go too far this way. I'm not going to go too far that way. As long as I'm kind of, you know, weighing out my good and bad, you know, Christ forgives me and I'm good to go. You know, Christ, you know, I've, I'm forgiven. But what he's, what he's saying in this parable is that there are consequences of not listening to and not recognizing the good shepherd. Um, we've just gotten through, a, a, uh, a, exercise, if you will. There's a, a, a training this group of training videos called uh, truth project. We've done these 13 weeks of uh, watching videos and, uh, about worldview and different, you know, where, where is Christ? What would Christ say as opposed to what would Jesus do? It's like, what would, what would God say about the family, the church, uh, Work, that was a good thing. Uh, Labor, and again, it goes into science and all those kind of things. Um, A lot of uh, controversial things that get some good conversations going. But the big point of it all is that in every realm of our lives, in every relationship that we're in, in every encounter that we have, that we need to bounce our responses and our actions off of what what does God's word say? You know, there's a there's a tendency to say, you know, I, I trust myself. I can make good choices. Or there's a tendency to say, I hang out with decent people, so I can kind of trust, you know, what the group is doing. You know, even if I'm hanging out with you guys, you're fabulous folks. <laughs> but if I'm following what the group is doing and forsaking going to the Bible first and see what God's word has to say about it, that's falling the wrong wall. You're the, you're the wrong wall, though. Sorry. <laughs> um, a couple of verses I want to share with you kind of along those lines. Uh, a lot of times it's easier, easy to recognize following the world instead of following after Christ. Um, everyone's maybe heard this first. So I'm going to read it anyway. Um, Romans 12, 2, where it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Oftentimes we'll focus on this, you know, being, not being conformed to the world, but be transformed in your mind. But I want to look at this last app, which, which says, so we can discern what's good and acceptable. You know, how do we really know what to do? How do we really know the path to life unless we're following so closely after Jesus and conforming so closely to his will that he gets us in the right place. You know, it's easy to stray a little bit off the path. And, and that's kind of what Satan wants to do, get us just a little bit, enough off the path that we go to death and destruction. <laughs> but it's, it's better, to, better for Satan if we're just a little off the path, thinking we're doing fine, and then all of a sudden we've arrived at death and destruction. Um, knowing Christ is the way that we know um, what to do. And here's the more dangerous one, I think. Um, this is in Jeremiah 17, 7 through 10. Let me read the whole thing to you. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, who trust whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when the heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. And in the year of drought, it is not anxious. It does not cease to bear fruit. Bear fruit. That's like Psalm 23. hey. Take me by streams, and they keep me happy, it's, it, take care of me, all this stuff. Verse 9 here is what strikes me, though. It says, the heart is devious above all else and is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. Verse 9, the heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? How many times have you heard in a song or uh, in a, a, someone, you know, working on your self-esteem or something like that, it says, hey, you know, you need to follow your heart. Follow your heart. You know, there you'll find fulfillment. And, you know, that's a nice platitude. But really, really, you know, what does Scripture say about it? Scripture says, yeah, God judges our hearts to know what our uh, motives are and, and that kind of thing. But here in the scripture in particular, you know, crystal clear, it's like, you know, you really can't trust your heart. There's only one that's worthy of trust, and that's the good shepherd. Trust the Lord. Don't trust your heart. Our heart will lead us into dangerous places <laughs> when we when we divorce that from uh, the Lord and, and God's word. And like I said, I think that one's the more dangerous one because... You know, I like to trust my heart. I think I can make good decisions. I, you know, I'm a good guy inside, and the Holy Spirit's in me, all that fun stuff. But God says, you know, you can't trust how you feel all the time. All right, so what So what about it? Um, I, Like I said, I, I get the feeling that in my life, sometimes I give a little short shrift to not following directly after God, but just following closely enough. Um, so I got a little story, uh, this, this past summer, we went to Washington, D.C. It was a great trip. Kathy and I had this brainchild. Of course, we're going to take our kids and we're going to teach them. We're not going to have this worthless vacation, like going to Disney World, and just having fun. We're going to learn something. We're going to Washington, D.C. History, you know, and the kids were like, oh, no. Like we, yeah, we even had them, we were reading in the car on the way there, all that stuff. Great vacation, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was fun, though. Um, but uh, one of the highlights for me, just because I get geeked out on this stuff, is uh, we went to the Air and Space Museum. All right, and so they have got all oh, the original everything, and they've got the, you know, the 1908 Wright flyer in there. I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, so we're we're in the Air and Space Museum. Um, but and our entire trip uh, in Washington, um, our mantra that kept getting repeated no matter where we stopped and as it should have been was, we've got, you know, four-year-old Alex, our youngest, and everywhere we went, you know, on vacation, we got one little kid, he's significantly littler than everyone else. What's our question every time? It's, where's Alex? You know, so we, we go over to, you know, every monument. Okay, you got Alex, where's Alex? We come to Air and Space Museum, where's Alex? We go to Arlington Cemetery, where's Alex, you know? And um, we were pretty good about it until we got to the Air and Space Museum. Maybe i take some of the fault for this because I got so fired up about it. Oh, look at the X-1, look at the right flyer. Half hour later, hey, where's Alex? Sarah's looking around, Kathy's looking around. I'm looking around, there's no Alex. We're in Washington DC and Alex doesn't have a cell phone. Alex doesn't have any GPS on him or anything. So we're starting to panic. All right, you know, it's, we're not finding him immediately. So we we send all kids out to four corners. Yeah, you know, go this direction. Go that direction. You gotta find Alex. And of course, if any parents, if you've ever had this happen before, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? You're just thinking the worst thing possible, the, the worst thing possible. You know, one of Kathy's favorite things is my my father um, uh, used to be. He was a uh, anesthesiologist, and he worked with critical in critical care at Children's Hospital. And so he's working with really sick kids all the time. And Kathy always hated it because every time one of our kids would get a sniffle or something, we would never ask my dad, you know, about, you know, you know, get some good you know inside doctor advice. Because what would happen, we'd say, you know, Nathan's got a sniffle. And my dad would immediately jump to the absolute worst thing. Oh, it's malaria. You know, or it's rickets. It's got to be. You know, it's, he's, he's going to the worst possible thing possibly. possibly. But, you know, that's what we're thinking when we lose out. We're like, you know, he fell off. Someone's abducted him. You know, where is he? kind of thing. Um, so I, I think it probably, it was probably about 15 minutes. It seemed like about an hour, but we did find Alex. He of course was kind of over by the little, the, the space rocks or something that was shiny and moving around. And he's you know, like a four year He's like, ah, it's wonderful. And you know, he's fine. He's totally oblivious to the fact that we've lost him and that we're, you know, worried sick. And, um, until we actually got there. I think once we, once we got there and found him and he saw how worried we were, that's when he cried. You know, he was, he was fine up to that point. Um, but point being is, Alex was totally, totally oblivious to the fact that he lost us. He had kind of drifted off and was looking at something else. He was alone and in danger, potentially. Um, I, I think that's the dangerous thing for us, is that, We get comfortable, we get a little complacent, we get a little distracted and we're off paying the consequences either now or sometime down the road of not following after the good shepherd. Um, So as I've dug into this, uh, (laughs) good shepherd life, miss the good shepherd by whatever amount you miss him by, <laughs> but either he's in the crowd with a bunch of others that look like him or just in the crowd and you miss him completely, that's, that's a sheep bit let off the slaughter, either tomorrow or the next day or sometime after that. Um, so I would exhort you, follow closely after the shepherd. Um, I know Waldo doesn't really look like a a carpenter <laughs> or anything that's worthy of following after, but hopefully Jesus is. And I would, I, I would, I would close with, with this, um, and that is there really is nothing more important than Jesus. And we say that and we sing that and when we come here on Sunday. Um, but I would ask you, do you really, really believe that? And are you willing to act on it? Let me pray, and then uh, we'll move on. Uh, Lord, Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for knowing us by name. Thank you for knowing every hair on our heads. Um, And I pray that you would help us to focus on you. Um, Focus on you with with a single-mindedness, reminiscent of of, of knowledge of the consequences of not focusing on you, Lord. Thank you for allowing us into your flock by your death on the cross. And I pray that you would help us to not squander that opportunity.